0: appropriate for us, as a message, um, the only song I can really kind of think of. Hey friends, welcome to a brand new episode of Beauty Unlocked, I'm Carissa, how's everyone doing? How's everything going? I am... <clears throat> Wow, I thought the last like three weeks with these allergies, now I am feeling it and I was waiting until the whole blocked and runny nose issue like stopped before recording because I sounded like a right mess. And I look like one too, but whatever. I mean, we're we're under lockdown, so it doesn't really matter what we're looking like at the moment. But anyway, how's everyone doing? I hope you guys um had a lovely weekend and a lovely week, whether you're working or working from home. I hope everybody's having or is okay. <laughs> um I know that I don't know if anybody else is feeling it, but the last, I think what, we're, we're Thursday. So the last like two days, seriously, talk about not having any. Energy whatsoever I know that there are planetary and cosmic Shifts like shifts With an F-T-S at the end um, um, That those are happening and and Let me tell you I was like why do I feel so damn Rough and without any energy And then I was Like looking up at like planetary Well the the forecast And I was like oh no okay I see why Yes I see now I get it Because we are all heavily influenced whether we realize it or not we're all heavily influenced by lunar cycles and just planetary shifts and everything and i am seriously feeling it especially the last two days add some of that those allergies along with it and it has been pretty much a rough week <laughs> and it's not even done it's like we're only thursday and i'm like God, like another day and then i'm still thinking wow it's, it's, it's never ending so before we get started, I want to, to thank everyone who listens to this podcast, and also who has joined like the Instagram. We've actually hit like two milestones. Like one was getting well. Now we have more than a hundred downloads, um, and also we have more than a hundred followers on our Instagram page. And I'm like, yay! That's awesome. Uh, so yeah, spread the word, get the word out. You know, if if anybody is asking for any podcast recommendations or any such kind of divert them over here and be like yeah there's there's this chick and she has this show and it's called beauty unlocked unlocked what beauty unlocked (laughs) beauty unlocked wow you know that there's issues if you can't even say your show's name properly beauty unlocked she's a bit crazy That's okay. Um, And also earlier this week, was it earlier this week? I don't even remember. Anyway, I made an announcement on Instagram that I have exciting, exciting news. Um, So I will probably be announcing what those news are like within the next couple of days after you hear this, whenever you hear it over the weekend or next week. Um, So yeah, so let your friends know, your family know, tell them, warn them that I do have a sailor's mouth and that I have a tendency of dropping a lot of F-bombs. And my metric system is composed of fuck tons and whatnot. (laughs) So yeah. So last week's episode was quite the episode, (laughs) and actually, it's by far one of my favorite episodes. Um, Who knew that I would have such a love affair with like penis facials, anal bleaching, and and designer vaginas? Um, I found my calling basically. (laughs) But I really hope that you guys um, enjoyed last week's episode and um well this week's episode we're going to have <clears throat> it's going to be about something else that i feel our society and culture sometimes um kind of again well we know that it does kind of put a pressure on us to to uphold maintain and have these kind of certain beauty ideals and standards um but this week's episode is about plastic surgery and I'm going to be giving you guys a bit of a history lesson because you 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 know that I love my history, well especially this kind of history. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be looking at uh, cosmetic surgery, plastic surgery. Well, the history of let's say first how ca- it came about as- aesthetic surgery, and then we're going to talk about a particular kind of surgery that is definitely on the rise, but is considered one of the deadliest surgeries that you can actually. Have done on yourself Um, And even the American Board of Plastic Surgeons Considers it one of the, the, the most dangerous surgeries out there So before we get into that in case you're new to this uh, podcast and listening to, to me, <laughs> I feel bad for you. So sorry for <laughs> what you're about to hear. But um, please, please, please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast apps. Um, definitely find us on Beauty Unlocked, the podcast. And also follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram, on Facebook. We have a, a Facebook page and a Facebook group. Um, for the Facebook group, just send in a request, and I will um, accept you <laughs> with pleasure, with open arms. Don't forget to spread some of that good old-fashioned love from a distance. At the moment, um, but don't, don't, don't be afraid. I don't bite unless you want me to. I'm not going to lie. Cheeky, huh? I just we- winked. <laughs> All right, so let's jump right in. So like I said, we're going to talk uh, a little bit about the history of surgery and especially like reconstructive surgery. So, And uh, I would like to also, <laughs> excuse me, because as everybody knows, I have issues when it comes to like pronouncing names and I'm so sorry about that. Um, but I have a few names to say here and I'm thinking, oh God, why, why do I choose articles where it's just full of names? Um, but here we go. So, um, for this part, I actually, I took, um, or I, well, yes, I took, like I referenced from articles, um, on the internet, uh, this one about the history. I took it from verywellhealth.com. Another one was consultingroom.com, and another one was robinsoncosmeticsurgery.com. Oh, this is gonna be a rough episode. I can't even speak properly, but that's every episode. We're we're what into episode nine, still can't speak. So, um, so yeah, so bear with me. Here we go. <laughs> so there is documentation of the use of surgical means for correcting facial injuries dating back more than four thousand years. That's a uh, fuck long ago. <laughs> We're only like a few minutes into the episode, and that's like my second F bomb right there. So, these medical um, manuscripts date back to 4,000 years, and it's in ancient India. There was a healer known as, excuse me for not being able to pronounce this correctly, but Sushruta Samhita. And he was argu- arguably one of the first cosmetic surgeons in the world. So these um, Sanskrit texts um, contain information about procedures which took place in the 8th century, and it covers a a wide range of illnesses, um, medicinal plants, and treatments that came from animal and mineral sources. So Sushruta was the first one to perform skin grafts. Him and his followers used a piece of skin from other parts of the body to graft it onto face skin to correct the look of, of the person. The missing skin in another uh, body part would eventually grow as per the natural skin cell reproduction. There is also information about a form of surgery which would later be known as rhinoplasty. So that's the the surgery of the nose. (laughs) And this involved the reconstruction, like we said, of the nose using skin which had been taken from the cheek or forehead. Um, so overall progress in plastic surgery Aesthetic, reconstructive surgery Slowed down over the next few thousand years um, But it was during the Roman period That a Roman medical writer Here we go with another name Aulus Cornelius Celsus um, Wrote a, a, a manuscript, a book uh, Well, manuscript probably De Medicina, Medicina which laid out surgical methods for reconstructing ears, lips, and noses. It was then during the early Byzantine period, or Beisius, compiled a complete medical encyclopedia entitled Synagogue uh, Medicae. And it was a 70 volume um, encyclopedia which contained numerous passages dedicated to reconstructive techniques to repair facial defects. Whew, <laughs> those names wow okay (laughs) we made it we made it through the first bit (laughs) so now we're we're in the middle ages and the renaissance so so though the practice of reconstructive surgery continued throughout the early middle ages further developments came to a standstill and that's thanks to the fall of rome and its empire and the spread of christianity so science gave way to mysticism and religion And in fact, at one point during this uh, time period, Pope Innocent III declared that surgery in any form was expressly prohibited by church law. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So in addition, the safety of surgical patients was further compromised by the lack of standards for hygiene and cleanliness. I don't even want to get into that. We damn well know (laughs) that hygiene back in those days was certainly an issue. Ooh, mm mm-mm. So, however, some minor advances were made, including the 10th century development of a procedure to repair a cleft lip. So during the Renaissance, there were more significant advances in science and technology. Uh, in the 15th century, an Islamic text entitled Imperial Surgery, and it was written by Serafadin Sabuncuoglu. Lord, help me. So sorry that I mispronounced um, your name, names in general. And included material on maxillofacial surgery and eyelid surgery so if you guys don't know that's okay maxillofacial surgery uh, refers to surgeries performed on the jaw and face so that's maxillofacial surgery it also included a protocol for the treatment of gynecomastia which is believed to be the foundation for the modern method of surgical breast reduction so that was during the 15th century Uh, See, they they were pretty advanced back in the day. I mean, apart from the hygiene aspect of things, advanced. Then we're into the 16th century, and why is there so many names? (laughs) So we're into the 16th century now, and there is a, um, well, I'm not, well, I guess, yes, well, he would kind of be a, a doctor, and his name was Gaspare Tagliacosi. And he first started nose grafting with the help of the skin flaps of upper arms. Medical history names him as the father of plastic surgery, and he used such techniques mainly to correct the saddle nose deformity in people. Again, saddle nose deform. So this is a, apart from maxillofacial saddle nose deformity. Um, what it is? Saddle nose is a condition associated with nasal trauma, congenital congenital syphilis uh, relapsing polychondritis cocaine abuse and leprosy among other conditions it's characterized by a loss of height of the nose because uh, because there's a collapse of the bridge so this is what saddle nose deformity is now of course back in those days um, there was no such thing as a cocaine abuse Yeah there was no such thing as cocaine Well there was no such Not that there was no such thing as drugs Clearly there was But cocaine abuse came much much later So um, basically Saddle Nose Is the collapse of the bridge So during the 17th century Plastic surgery again was Well declined And the next major advances in plastic surgery Were not until the 20th century And we know what happened well, we know what happened in the 20th century. It's that World War One came about in the early 20th century. So this is when the casualties of war made reconstructive plastic surgery a necessity for many soldiers. So in fact, it was World War One that brought plastic surgery to a new level within the medical establishments. So we have to remember that yes, of course, th- I mean since the beginning of, of time there has been wars. The thing is what shifted um in the early 20th century is that especially with world war one is that there was weaponry that had never been seen before artillery that was never seen before i mean it was it was complete a completely different way of warfare and um the things that they came up with i mean we know of course war is uh, is war in the sense of It's total destruction of of the human soul, you know, but here we're talking about the machinery that was introduced into World War One was literally just to destroy you. I mean, it left practically no one alive. And so military physicians were required to treat many extensive facial and head injuries caused by modern weaponry. So these grave injuries um, necessitated brave new innovations in reconstructive surgical procedures and some of Europe's most skilled surgeons dedicated their practices to restore their country's soldiers to, well, wholeness. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about, uh, how would you say it, like more of a physical wholeness during and after the war, because these, I mean, anybody who's gone through war, you can never be whole again. You you'd never go back to what you were before, um, physically, mentally, emotionally. There's, there's, there's I mean, you've, you're just changed. So the progress that this brought about also is um, a greater understanding of anesthesia and infection prevention. So it allowed surgeons to perform a wider uh, variety of increasingly complex procedures. So that's the history of how reconstructive surgery, let's say that started over 4,000 years ago, kind of gave way into the more aesthetic cosmetic plastic surgeries that we're used to today. Now, if you're anything like me, which I know you are because you are star seeds, cosmic star seeds of deliciousness, um, you would be thinking or should be thinking, well, how the hell did they used to put people under back in the day when they used to do these kind of surgeries? And okay, fair enough. In times of war, there were shortages of Everything and anything, actually. So, a lot of surgeries (laughs) had to be performed without any kind of anesthesia. So, you can only imagine, um, especially during times of war where amputations had to be done and there was no anesthesia. A lot of times, these poor boys um, would die out of, you know, from, from shock and loss of blood. And it was just a very, um, Traumatic and messy business. Um, so I looked up what they used to use back in the day. In, we're not even talking about a hundred years ago, but even further than that, what they used to use as anest—well, to use as anesthesia and anesthetic means. I'm I'm not too sure. And so I checked it out. Let me. Where was I uh, here? Ooh, here. Yes. Sorry. So. I, I, I checked it out And anesthetics through history It's going to be very very short But drugs of various kinds have been used for many centuries To reduce the distress of surgical operations And um, Homer wrote of Nepenthe Which was probably cannabis or opium And then Arabian physicians used opium Or henbane b- And then centuries later Powerful rum was administered freely To British sailors before emergency ap- Amputations How powerful was this goddamn rum? Seriously, I'm just, I'm wondering because I'm like, wait, what? Powerful rum as opposed to just normal rum? Is there a difference? But all right. So later on, nitrous oxide, ether, and chloroform were used. So the problem with using these types of anesthetics, not the rum, is that doctors didn't know how much to administer because the, the science behind and and didn't exist, the science behind like anesthetics, like they didn't understand it's like the weight ratio plays a part of it and also the health of the patient and everything. Sometimes a little would be used or too much. And in the case of if it was a little bit that was used, we know that people would wake up in the middle of surgery or whatnot which is horrific enough and then if too much was used well that certainly meant death (laughs) and so they had no way to control a patient's uh, well and also another thing is that they had no way of controlling a patient's breathing so I imagine that your brain activity is already slowed down and also the fact that well you're in a sedated state how the hell did you control breathing so a lot of times guess what that resulted in death apart from the fact that maybe you would also get an infection and basically it's it's death (laughs) the the end the end would be death that's that uh yeah so uh, later on uh in the late 1800s so late or yeah late 19th century um Yes, like, like, I had to think about that. I was like, right, that is right, right, yeah. So the local anesthetic of cocaine was used for anesthetizing um, the cornea during eye operations. And <laughs> that was done in 1884 by Viennese surgeon Carl Kohler. And he was acting on the suggestion of a famous psychoanalyst, Sigmund Freud, who, if you did not know, at a certain point was a very big cocaine addict. <laughs> And I remember talking to my soul sister in Geneva about this cuz we watched on Netflix Freud and you know you see him uh, taking a lot of liquid liquid cocaine and on and I she she said she was like how read of readily available was cocaine back in the day and I was like it it was very available because people didn't understand You know, I mean, I think at a certain point they understood, like, obviously that people could get highly addicted to it, but it wasn't it wasn't regulated. We're going to put that in in air quotes. It wasn't regulated. So it was very available to the point of where it was even in (laughs) Coca-Cola. Damn, why wasn't I alive back in those days, huh? Shit. (laughs) By the way, anyone listening to this podcast, we do not or I do not endorse the use of such drugs. I'm just joking about it. But say no to drugs, all right? Say no to drugs. That's what they used to teach us back in elementary school, all right? Anyway, say no to drugs. Doesn't matter. Whatever. Say no. <laughs> and most people are thinking, "Are you sure you're not on any apps?" A fucking lutely not. Actually, this is m- me, and air quotes being normal. That's just my normal state of being. All sorts of fucked up. <laughs> so anesthetic cocaine was applied directly to any part that was going to be operated on and soon it was being injected under the skin (laughs) jesus christ to facilitate small local operations and it was later successfully used for larger procedures such as dental procedures synthetic cocaine substitutes were later widely used wow Oh, my God. So then you would have patients that would probably get, well, I mean, uh, get addicted to to cocaine, synthetic cocaine, liquid cocaine, any kind of cocaine, and there's an issue right there. (laughs) So that's the history of anesthetics. So, of course, there was a a period of trial and error. As with most medical advances or any kind of scientific advances, there's always a trial and error period, unfortunately, that results in many, many deaths, deaths. We spoke about the history of Reconstructive surgery and how It came to be Known as the aesthetic and plastic surgery And the history of anesthesia So I wanted to talk To you about a particular Surgery as I mentioned in the beginning Of the podcast and it's considered Even by the American Board of Plastic Surgeons as The most dangerous um, Surgery That one can have So we're going to talk about Having butt augmentation or butt surgery in general. We're going to talk about that bodacious derriere. (laughs) We know that seriously, of course, like the body ideals, body standards, they change over time. And it's especially in the last 20 to 23 years where having um, a bodacious ass is a a trend celebrities such as jennifer lopez Nicki minaj and the kardashians um who are uh, well all of them are on social media as often as possible they flaunt their curves (laughs) their backside curves (laughs) so wow yeah pretty much yeah Oh man. Anyway, so there are two types of butt enhancement procedures that are approved by the FDA. I dare not even think of others that are not approved by the FDA. But the two that we're going to, well, we're going to, I'm going to mention these two. Um, one of them is the Brazilian butt lift or BBL, and the other one is butt implants. So the difference between the two so BBL or Brazilian butt lift uh, uses liposuction, so fat removal. Um, from other parts of the patient's body And then the fat is injected into the buttocks Butt implants involves an incision being made And a silicone implant being inserted into the cheeks So that's the difference between the BBL and uh, having butt implants So I want to really have a very th- There is again tri- like I mentioned trial and error period There was a trial and error period when it came to uh butt augmentation surgery um in general but there was some i'm not going to read all of it because it's just a little bit too much but i have to read at least a couple of these things that surgeons thought of in the past i'm kind of sometimes thinking what the hell all right so let's look at some of these pioneers for for butt enhancement surgery i guess you would say so (laughs) the first doctor to be credited with uh, to successfully plump bottom around 1969 was dr r.j bartels (laughs) i love how the article says however these implants were not impressive what the fuck anyway since breast implants had been around since the 1890s dr bartel and his team figured they would use the original cronin gero silicone breast implant for butt enhancements basically frank gero is the first one who actually came up with um a new plan for a new kind of breast implant and he did this by squeezing a plastic blood ba- uh, bag so that's the cronin Giroux silicone breast implants thing <laughs> Jesus Christ and he actually remarked this feels like a woman's breast and I'm thinking I need to go and seriously squeeze a plastic blood bag because I'm just thinking and I'm going to be feeling my breast at the same time and I'll be like I don't see how this feels like this but all right Then again, of course, the material used in today's blood bags are completely different than those from 60 years ago almost. Anyway, since the shape of this implant was originally inspired, like we said, by a blood blood bag, um, the discovery was made that implants for breasts do not work well for the butt. Again, trial and error. But wow. All right. Then we have um, a, a Mexican doctor by the name of Dr. Mario gonzalez uh, Uloa, and he made his mark on butt implants a year later when he attempted to use a shape-defining prosthetic to lift the entire butt although this was an improvement this is weird the placement of the implant was not stable what I'm about to tell you guys anyway the doctor inserted the prosthetic between the skin and glutus maximus muscle which permitted the device to easily shift this is where it gets a little bit weird. The stability of the implant was so bad that patients could actually rearrange their bottom if they tried hard enough. That's fucking horrific, you guys, I can't. Can you imagine your butt implant? This is, no, no, God. So if you tried hard enough, you could actually move the prosthetic. That's horrific to even, oh no. Mm-mm. I, I, have, I have a whole bunch of feels about this. <laughs> like i said a whole bunch of trial and error but that is just a horrific trial and error i don't even know that's just ugh, awful do you guys remember actually that song back in can you this is how old it is 1992 do you remember a sir mix a lot and he released that baby god back and it was like it, it came back into fashion like when they kind of sang it in friends a few years later do you guys remember it it's like I like big butts and I cannot lie. Do you guys... Okay, please don't sue me, Sir Mix-a-Lot. But do you guys remember that song? I'm going to be posting it on social media. I'm going to be posting it on the Facebook group and page. So that, you know... And when you watch the video, you're like, what the hell is this video? <laughs> anyway, so that's when he, Sir Mix-a-Lot, released Baby Got Back. And that was in 1992. And it just came to my mind because, well, obviously it talks about big butts. Although when you look at the video, you're like... Mm, yeah, no, those aren't big butts. Seriously, you—you you, twenty years later, you should see what a bodacious derriere looks like. But all right, Sir so Mix-a-Lot, I think you—you're still around. You know what a bodacious ass looks like. So basically, we go down to two thousand, and we go down. No, <laughs> we go towards two thousand and six with a Dr. Rafael Vergara, and he was credited with a new technique called intramuscular implants. And this technique allowed the implant to be placed closer to the surface um, with more stability than earlier procedures. And the stability allowed for bigger implants than before. So BBL, like we said, Brazilian butt lift, which originated in South America, has become a very popular enhancement procedure, especially over the past few years. Um, I don't remember when this article that I'm referencing was written, but it said here as a statistic In fact, nearly 10,000 Americans underwent this technique to gain a bigger butt. 10,000. And I don't remember exactly. I forgot the year. But this article was, this new article um, was written in 2018. And like we mentioned, Brazilian butt lifts are the deadliest of all aesthetic procedures. And the risks, I'm going to explain the risks for for them. Oh man So uh, So the desire for a larger bottom Is becoming very popular And like we said We we, we uh, mentioned the artists Who brought about that trend To have that bodacious ass And so In the last five years So this was written in 2018 So in the last five years The number of the so-called Brazilian butt lift-like surgeries Have doubled So there was a very recent Well, recent, recent In the last like years or so a recent high-profile case involving a doctor in Miami who was banned from operating after the death of a patient during surgery and it highlights the risks associated with having this procedure so like I said according to the American Society of Plastic Surgeons the BBL Brazilian butt lift um, has the highest rate of death of all aesthetic procedures so as we said the procedure involves taking fat from one area of the body um, and transplanting transplanting it into the glutes to enlarge them. So to be successful, a, a fat graft needs nutrition, and so has to be injected into tissue that has blood supply. Fat can survive if injected into other fat, but up to 90% of it can be absorbed. Um, can be absorbed. So fat has more chance of staying in place if is if it is inserted into muscle. But this is where there's the risk lies there. So injecting fat into the buttocks area can easily lead to serious problems if done incorrectly. So these include a fat embolism, and that's when fat enters the bloodstream and it blocks a blood vessel, uh, for example in the lungs, and it blocks oxygen from entering the bloodstream. St- and while in the brain it can cause a stroke, both can be fatal. So, oh lord oh man uh, You know what I'm going to ask a question I actually was talking about this with my soul sister Again in G- back in Geneva um, Talk about whatsapp Seriously it's like blowing up with a lot of Like vo- voice notes but We were actually talking about you know How like the pain- penis facial You know uh, that cosmetic procedure That we spoke about last week cost $650 Now I'm wondering and I'm asking All of you that are listening write to me you know send me an email um, contact me via like facebook or instagram i would love to hear from you if money was not an issue at all and maybe money isn't an issue for you but let's just say if money was not an issue at what lengths would you go to go with these beauty trends would you spend 650 dollars per per session for a pe- uh penis facial Or would you do anal bleaching? Actually, I I asked that in the last question. If any of you have done anal bleaching, let me know. I so want to freaking know. Would you go to the lengths to to have labiaplasties? Would you go, you know, and have any kind of cosmetic... We're not talking about, like, functional cosmetic surgery in the case of, like, reconstructive surgeries and whatnot, but just would you spend money to try to go with the current trends of beauty? You know if money wasn't an issue would you would you try these cosmetic procedures would you have a bbl a brazilian butt lift if 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 it was necessary would you have i mean like seriously this is one of those questions where i'm like i'm thinking sometimes well if money wasn't an issue would i do these kind of surgeries I mean would I take the risk because there's risks Involved in all kinds of surgery fair enough This one the BBL is the the deadliest But in the sense of Would you would you spend an insane Amount of money um, to kind Of go with the current beauty trends Body ideals and whatnot? I want to know Um, and I want to actually um, Have what the hell Cats be fucking you guys Can you hear that damn they Have a better sex life than I do shit all right, I had to kind of stop recording because those cats were going at it. And I was like, where the hell are these cats? Are they so close, like by, that I'm just hearing them? Probably because there's like no cars in the street so I can hear them full on here, those naughty perverts. Anyway, going back to <laughs> going back to why the mortality rate um, is so high in BBL surgeries. So there was a 2017 sur- uh, survey of 692 surgeons from across the world, investigated, uh, investigating the rate of mortality among patients who underwent uh, Brazilian butt lifts. And throughout their careers, the surgeons reported 32 cases of death from a fat embolism and 103 non-fatal cases, but there are probably many more that remain unreported. <clears throat> so fat embolisms was recently identified as the leading cause of death in aesthetic surgery. Uh, the estimated death rate from fat embolisms may be as high as 1 in 3,000 for um, Brazilian butt lift surgery. And a 2015 um, study of deaths from this kind of surgery concluded that they probably occur as a result of gluteal, gluteal blood vessels becoming damaged during the procedure, allowing fat to enter the bloodstream. And the authors recommended that lipo lipoinjection should be performed very carefully avoiding injections into deep muscle planes so the deaths in the u.s have caused concern and in one recently reported case in the u.s that led to the death from a fat embolism um, surgeons believed injections had been made into superficial fat but a um, post-mortem fat was found in the heart and lungs so can you imagine wow that traveled up There was also some evidence of damage to gluteal blood vessels. It should be noted that um, fat is also injected into muscle for some breast enhancement surgery, but there's no reported deaths. Now, whether or not that's because the surgeons are not reporting it or uh, who knows, but there's been no reported deaths. And the article says that this suggests that there are other factors involved in the high mortality rate among uh, Brazilian butt lift patients. Uh, so most of the deaths appear to have been caused By inappropriately qualified practitioners That's horrific Working in non-approved facilities Including homes and garages That is horrible So other post-surgery problems Such as gangrene and sepsis Can also be fatal um, This is why uh, one of those warnings Please, please, please If you're thinking of getting any kind of surger- or surgery Or even cosmetic surgery, plastic surgery Aesthetic surgery in a whole Please do your research and make sure that you you go to a board certified surgeon. I understand that it does cost money. Um, a lot of these surgeons surge, uh, surgeons they um, are okay if you pl- uh, if you pay like in installments and everything. But please, like, just be safe. Um, there are a lot of people who have been um, how would you say not hacked, but like they've been duped into thinking that you know. Uh, Fair enough like the cost of surgery isn't so expensive and so then you know um, they go to these surgeons who are not surgeons at all or maybe have one year of medical like I don't know whatever you know like just go to a board certified surgeon please (laughs) so to conclude is it worth the risk so the potential risk of death from a a fat embolism has to be weighed against the benefits Especially in cases where there are physical and functional benefits to having the surgery in the case of the BBL Perhaps the risks outweigh the benefits. So please think think really think about it if you are planning to do a BBL Nevertheless in a celebrity and beauty obsessed society the procedure remains very popular despite the risk the risks involved as always please think about your health please think about i I understand that there's a lot of pressure pressure is mounting from all sides every sides for both men and women but when you go uh, under the knife especially and you're putting your life in somebody else's hands literally you have no control whatsoever shit can go wrong you're 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 playing with your life so and seriously all life matters it's like no joke so I understand that the pressure is high and I understand sometimes it gives you a confidence boost and whatnot but if you are planning to do any of these kind of surgeries anything um, please make sure that those surgeons are board certified surgeons so that's 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 my PSA (laughs) so I was looking for for articles about botched operations for Brazilian butt lifts. And I, well, I came across one on The Sun, which I'm not going to read all of it. I will be posting it on social media with the link. And I'll also try to, oh God, post images. Anyway, like the images are blurred of this, but you can watch the video. And it's like a botched op woman, 26 left with gaping wounds after Brazilian butt lift goes horribly wrong. You guys, seriously, like... Oh my god. This makes my heart like sink. It is whoo, it's um it the way it starts off. It's like Angela Pedrosa 26 was left with rotting flesh and massive craters in her behind after 300 milliliters of industrial silicone were allegedly injected into both cheeks in a back alley practice in Rio de Janeiro. Oh my god, seriously. And ooh, mm, ooh, no you this is this is and she even says She even says herself in this article She said that even though she was Going to the gym for years and she was working out Up to four days a week and everything It it wasn't uh, And even though people were telling her don't get it Done don't get it done her vanity took You know over And she said but that wasn't enough for me And I became obsessed with getting this done and she was determined, even though there were deaths of other women in Brazil, including that of Lillian Cal- Calixto, 46. She says, uh, Angela said, I just thought Lillian and others uh, were unlucky and this wouldn't happen to me. Uh, and yeah, she even in, 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 she even says, like, yeah, my vanity took over and I decided to have it done irregardless of the risks. And this was like... The the lady, the supposed air quotes surgeon who did this was not even a fucking surgeon. She was a massage therapist. Can you imagine? Oh my god. Anyway, so I will be adding that to social media so you guys can read the article about the dangers, because if not, if I read the whole article out, it's going to be a very long episode. On that note, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast apps. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your spouses, tell your partners. Maybe tell your kids if you're okay with them hearing a whole bunch of F-bombs. Uh, let them know to like come and like listen and join the Beauty Unlocked family. And I would love to hear from you. If y- money was not an issue, would you get any of these like cosmetic procedures or follow any of these modern beauty trends? Um, that be- well in our beauty obsessed society that kind of puts that pressure on us. If money was not an issue, would you do it? I want to hear from you. Remember that you can send me um, an email at uh, beautyunlockedpodcast at gmail.com. I will leave you guys. I will hear. Well, you will hear from me. I keep on making this mistake. You will hear from me um, next week. In the meantime, I hope everybody is keeping safe and checking up on your loved ones. Uh, Remember to love each other. Love yourselves. Spread some of that sweet, sweet love from a distance, obviously, at the moment. Um, But once we are out of quarantine, I am sure that we will be giving each other the biggest hugs. With that being said, stay safe and I hope everyone has a lovely weekend and a lovely week ahead. Bye. Wow. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. Out with the old and in with the new. Start your new year with Yahoo Small Business with everything you need to start and grow your business. Find a domain, get a business email, and create a new professional website. Have a business idea and don't know where to start? Visit www.yahooSmallBusiness.com.